0: Welcome to the Four Point Podcast. I'm your host, Rashad Elian, and we have a special guest today, Kevin Scott, aka KJS407 on Twitter, a diehard LeBron fan, a lifelong Atlanta (laughs) sports fan, and one of the funniest guys I know. How's it going, Kev?
1: Great. I appreciate it, Sean. I'm I'm so excited to be on your your second uh, episode of your podcast, and I know we go back and forth on Twitter all the time, so I'm excited to talk hoops with you.
0: Yes, sir. I'm super stoked to have you here today. Hopefully we don't get into too much trash talk. <laughs> but <laughs> let's just have some fun with this. You ready to get started?
1: Yeah, awesome. Let's go. All
0: right. So why do you think LeBron is better than Michael Jordan already?
1: Um, so I think this is like a I think this is like a loaded question. Um for me, I'll give my personal take and then I'll give like the narrative take. Um, I guess my personal take is. Um, for one, for me, when Jordan won his last championship, I was like seven years old. So I honestly I don't remember like I remember my dad in the summer, you know, watching the NBA finals and the hype uh, behind MJ and all that kind of stuff. But um, I was never someone who like was really into basketball like that until of like the Shaq and Kobe era, uh, the first dynasty that they went on um, when they won, uh, you know, three straight and that's when I really got into basketball. Um, and then in 2003, LeBron was drafted, D-Wade, Bosch, that draft and stuff like that. And I really just gravitated towards LeBron and kind of took off from there. So for me, I can admit that it's a little bit of bias because I pretty much like grew up watching LeBron play basketball, you know what I'm saying? So um, for me, seeing seeing where he started, where he came into the league and it was just pretty much like. Um, he was just, he was coasting by on like pure talent, um, and just like, um, being a superior athlete and then watching him kind of go through his like trials and tribulations in Cleveland and, um, you know, having that incredible series against Detroit and then getting to the finals against the Spurs team that was super stacked. There was no chance that he was going to beat that team, um, in a series and he lost, Um, and then just, you know, seeing him fighting the Boston big three and then finally going to the heat. Um, and you know, I'll never excuse him for 2011. Um, (laughs) but I feel like that was, that was a learning moment for him. And that will be probably like the biggest, um, negative mark on his career. But he came back the next, you know, next two years and won championships as the best player on a championship team. Um, then he went to Cleveland, fulfilled that promise. Um, who knows how many he would have if you know KD didn't um, join the join the uh, the the boat or the ship that was uh, had really set sail and was already a championship team and stuff like that. And then now look, he's like kind of like in his third act of his career with the Lakers. Um, when people said, "Oh, you know he he was he was making the finals year after year because it was the Eastern Conference," and then he goes, you know, to the Western Conference year two. Um, with AD um, and you know knocks off all three of the Western Conference opponents in five, and then wins the finals in six, um, in year seventeen, age thirty-five, pretty much in year eighteen. So I feel like if you if you look at everything that he's done and um, how, what he what he had to do and kind of overcome to get there, um, I feel like it's a more impressive story than Jordan, who you know kind of was drafted by the Bulls, had stability, stable organization. Um, He had a core team um, every year that he could rely on. Um, In the six finals that he went to, his team was always favored. I think LeBron um, has been favored in like two or three of the finals that he's, um, of the 10 finals that he's played in. Um, So I, you know, I feel like if you, if you start, if you start the conversation with like just rings and finals, um, then yeah, it is going to be, you know, it is going to be Michael Jordan because he went six and oh. Um, and LeBron is four and six right now. Um, but I think if you look at the totality, longevity of the career and stuff like that, and factor all of that in, um, I mean, you, you have to say that he is at least the, the second best player of all time in the NBA. And um, even for me, if, if someone wants to argue MJ, I'm not going to like fight them over that. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, we can have a healthy discussion and Mm -hmm. I'll see their points. And I mean, anyone saying, anyone just thinking it's ridiculous that, oh, there's no way Michael Jordan is the second best player ever. And then to, to the same thing, people just say, oh, there's no way LeBron has to be number one. I think both of those like extreme points are, um, are invalid. You know, I think there's good arguments to be made for both, both sides, but at the end of the day, they're both on the Mount Rushmore sports. Um, they transcended the game um, in ways that we haven't seen any other basketball players do. Um, and, you know, I feel like they both deserve the respect. But for me, you know, LeBron means more to me. So he's probably going to always be my number one personally.
0: Definitely. That was so great, Kev. Thank you. You raised some great points. Um, some things I want to follow up on. So would you say, like, LeBron has faced tougher competition? Like, first things that come to mind for me are the Spurs, right? They were stacked up. Yep. Tim Duncan. Manny Ginobili, Tony Parker, Greg Popovich. LeBron's never had a coach of that caliber, right? Then he has to also face the, um, the Golden State Warriors, who not only in 2015, they were pretty good. They had 67 wins, I believe. In 20, um, 2016, they had 73 wins, 73 and nine. And LeBron did beat that team, I would say due to Draymond's suspension. <laughs> um, but then they um, went ahead and added KD, right? And that, at that point, would anybody have beat that team? Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, stack, right? So I would say he's faced some much tougher competition. And four and six, getting there 10 times, super impressive. So would you say that he's faced a much tougher like road to being the GOAT?
1: For sure, for sure. I mean, let's let's just break it down real quick. The first finals, which I mentioned earlier, 2007 against the Spurs, where he got swept, which he got swept. But all of those games were pretty competitive. I mean, it was pretty much him and a bunch of role players going against – hall of fame players in the middle of their prime in the middle of a dynasty. You know, you think about Manu and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan and all the players that they had, he was going up against a literal dynasty. um, Just with him being what four years, three, four years in the league. Um, And so, I mean, if you put Jordan in that, if you replace Jordan with LeBron, I mean, can you argue that he maybe Jordan loses in five or six? Okay. But, there's no way um, Jordan's winning that series um, either with that, with that supporting cast 2011, no excuses. You know, they were favored. Um, They should have won. You know, LeBron came up short for whatever reasons, you know, there's, we can talk, we can have a whole other uh, podcast episode about the 2011 finals. Um, No excuses for that one. 2012, he came up against a really tough um, Thunder team who was actually favored when I saw that. Yeah, animals, a lot of people don't know. I yeah, think, they yeah. were favored because that was really when Katie and Westbrook were ascending. You had James Harden, who at that time was coming off the bench um, as like uh, and, you know incredible sixth man. He, you know, people thought he really should have been starting. Um, they actually won that first game. They lost a the close uh, second game, and then you know they went back to Miami for three straight games, and it kind of got steamrolled. Um, I would say if you look back on it, because Katie and Westbrook were so young and Harden was young as well, um, even though, um, you know, by like Vegas standards, they weren't favored. I can see how people would say, okay, Heat were clearly the better team. But coming off of 2011 with LeBron and how he performed and how that team – how that makeup of that team was, um, you know, if they if they want to say the Thunder were the better team, okay, that's fine. Um, and then 2012, again, facing the Spurs again – Still in still in Dynasty mode, still with great players, um, great supporting cast. Um, you know, we know about the game six shot by Roy Allen. Um, the game seven was close. That was just really a phenomenal series all around. Um, I think they were favored um, in that series. Um, but that was just, that was really a toss-up series. And how it pan- uh, played out was, in my opinion, was exactly how it should have. Um, with it going seven games and... Um, most of the games being uh, super close for the most part down the stretch. Um, again, really tough. If you look at those. You look at that Spurs team compared to some of the, the teams that Jordan beat in the finals, they probably would be, like, number one, uh, number two in, in his finals competition that he faced. Um, and then the Spurs team that next year were just, like, on a revenge tour, and they kind of knew, like, this was, like, probably one of their big last rides. They won a redemption because they felt like they should have won. Uh, the finals in 2013, and that Heat team was kind of um, had run its course um, in terms of just, uh, you know, the big three setup And if you look at like the numbers and stuff, like LeBron averaged like uh, nearly 30 points a game, and the second leading scorer was weighed at like 14, 15. Um, so it had just kind of run its course, and it was clear that the Spurs were a better team that year. I believe they were favored that year. Um, and then of course, I don't need to tell you about 15 and 16, <laughs> um, 15, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Love won't go down and LeBron is, um, using Matthew Delvadova as a second best option and actually won a game, um, yep. with him, uh, doing that. And, you know, he kind of, kind of runs out of gas and the Warriors are the better team because your second and best player are your second and third best player on, on the floor. So he loses that one. If he's not injured. I mean, that could be that I, I feel like that series could go either way. Um, and then they come back the next year, um, win the finals against a 73 and nine team um, who they were up 3 1. Um, and I know you like to say, you know, Draymond's suspension had a big uh, part to playing that. But, you know, Draymond <laughs> played game seven at Oracle and they still lost. Um, but Draymond did, Draymond did go um, off. He had a
0: triple double, best player
1: on the world. He did. Yeah. He, he, he was yep. the best player that that night. Um, and then, you know, they just kind of went cold at the end and, uh, you know, LeBron had that big block, Kyrie with the three and then, um, you, you know, the cast pulled out a win. So super impressive. That will always be his greatest like achievement and accomplishment um, because it was Cleveland, because he was down 3-1 and it was a 73-9 and team. Um, and then, you know, you said 17 and 18. Um, those are super teams. I don't care what anybody says. Those two, those, those Warriors teams in 2017, 2018 finals um, are beating the Bulls teams. Um, and it probably wouldn't even go seven games, maybe go seven games, but um, I would probably say Warriors and six for both of those teams. Um, and then of course, you know, he won this past, this past year with the Lakers his first year um, with AD. So if you just look at all of that and like look and see kind of what he have to go through the finals whether it was a win or a loss in the teams he went up against and stacked them up against Jordan's uh, teams, um, I think you would see that most of the teams that LeBron faced were better in tougher competition. Um, they have more Hall of Famers, more Defensive Player of the Year, more past championships um, than the Jordan Bulls teams have to face. And I think you have to take that into account, which a lot of people won't. Um, obviously, you know they just will see 6-0 and and 4-6. and And, you know, they'll make up their mind there. But um, you have to take into account that he was the underdog in most of his finals and some of the bad breaks that he had um, that, you know, he couldn't – he just obviously couldn't overcome it. And a lot of times I like to say this put Jordan in his place and would this have been different. Um, Put Jordan in the place in 2015 when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love go down. They're not beating the Warriors that series. And, I mean, you can kind of go 17-18, put Jordan in his place, he's losing. Now replace – LeBron um, with Jordan in those six finals? And which finals are you saying that the Bulls aren't gonna win? you seen them- So saying? earlier today, I
0: actually like tweeted like, if LeBron played in the 90s, he might've won like eight straight. Like, think yep. about it. Is he losing any of those series? Like he's playing against Karl Malone and John Stockton. There's John no Sanjay. way the Jazz beat, beat LeBron, you know? And then even go through right. the two years, MJ's playing baseball. Is, are the Rockets gonna actually like beat him with Hakeem, you know? I can't exactly. see that. And then those, like, and he beat the Suns, right? And he beat some, he beat the Lakers for his first one. So with Magic Johnson at the tail end of his career, right? So right. Is, are any of those teams beating a prime LeBron James or LeBron James coming up? I don't know. I don't really think so. I think LeBron could have had A ring. So it's hard to compare generations. So I like, this is my new thought. They're both the go. Like it really is hard to compare two across generations. So Kevin, do you think that actually winning 2016 ended up hurting LeBron's Legacy more. If you think about it, like say the Warriors don't get KD, right? 17 and 18, I'm going to say LeBron will have won those. So he would have six now, or f- he would have five now, excuse me. And he would have had one less loss. So I guess he'd be five and five, right? with that, would anything be different right now? Or would you say like actually beating a 79 and three team, 73, yeah, 73 and nine team actually have helped him more? Or what do you think?
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I haven't really thought too much about that. I think, I think now, I think, kind of looking back on it, you could say, yeah, Hattie lost that, and then maybe won the next two potentially. But um, even if they replaced, even if Katie didn't come, and you know the Warriors win in two thousand sixteen, um, and they replace you know Harrison Barnes with someone that's just like better, marginally better. Those next, you know, 2017, 2018, you know, Kyrie, for one, we, you know, find out that wasn't wasn't that happy um, and, you know, wanted to be traded eventually. So um, I guess if you say he loses 16, but then is guaranteed to win 17, 18, then I could see that. Um, but I think now the narrative is, wow, um, that was the greatest uh, finals comeback, comeback ever against a 73 and nine team. And then I think 17 and 18, even though people say, okay, he has six finals losses. um, I don't think anyone expected him to win those two years. And so I think he kind of gets a pass um, because that team, you know, with, with KD being added was so superior. Um, I think he kind of gets a pass um, compared to like, you know if it was like a Mavericks type team or a thunder type team that he, you know, he faced early on in his career, then I could see that it would hurt his legacy more. But, um, you know, people who know kind of what he went up against, I think kind of will give him a pass, you know, as years go on considering that he pretty much had no chance.
0: Definitely. And I agree with that. Do you think um, just, I don't know, like on the Lakers, right. He played a heat team that was pretty depleted. Like they had Goran Dragic out, they had Bam out for a while, um, or for a game and he was hurt. Is that, does that, I don't know, like, how do you, like, describe that title? Is that, like, top two, two, three, or is it, like, his least impressive so far? Because, I mean, he was expected to win. The Lakers were sacked. They didn't play the Clippers, you know, um, in the playoffs because the Clippers choked. (laughs) Um, So would you say it's nice for him to get, like, an easy ride for once because he did play some super loaded teams, or how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think his – I think, you know, when you kind of look back at his past few years and just kind of some of the bad breaks he's had in the finals – um you know you look at the last before this year the last three out of four finals he played you know 2015 again Irving and Kevin Love went down um that was a bad break 17 and 18 he came up against you know a super team that was just running through the NBA um so it kind of and you know I talked to you about this and I was like it's kind of nice that the basketball gods kind of finally just kind of lined up perfectly for him yeah he's not the ringer, you know
0: He's been right, the exactly, like yeah. 10 years in a row.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, this is year 17. Um, I, for one, when he went to the Lakers, I honestly didn't think he would win again. And I was like, man, this is going to be a bad mark um, because it's such a historic franchise and they're used to championships and stuff. And so just the fact that seeing how last year ended, they traded for AED. Um, Throughout the year, they really never had a consistent third option. And then, you know, Avery Bradley didn't come into the bubble. Um, And so it was just kind of like, who's going to show up tonight? Is it going to be KCP? Is it, you know, is it going to be Kuzma, who you can't rely on um, at all? Is it going to be Danny Green or Alex Caruso and stuff like that? Um, I think the fact that, you know, him and AD were kind of consistent, he played um, at a high level. Um, If you look at his numbers, his finals numbers are more impressive than his 2016 finals numbers, which is wow. crazy to think about. So I think it is impressive just because um, it's year 17. This is his third franchise that he won a championship with. It's LA. Um, he he did have to go through, you know, the Western conference and the playoffs and, you know, he got the heat um, who were, you know, coming in hot. Um, they, they had a great run in the Eastern conference and um, you know they ultimately knocked them off. Um, in terms of ranking them, if you look at just like, yeah, you know, impressiveness, it probably is probably going to be fourth. Um, just because 2016 is number one, um, 2011 or 2012 because of what happened in 2011, that was his first ring, um, has to probably be second. The back-to-back has to be third, um, just because of the craziness and the team that he was playing against the competition with the Spurs. Um, but I don't know. I still feel like even though this one is fourth, it's still special because um, of the circumstances, given where he's at in his career, it's with the Lakers, it's in the Western Conference. Um, and he was, you know, still able to pull it out as the best player um, on the team. Definitely. And it was
0: during a global pandemic and a bubble. Like a lot of people say that was easier. I would have to say that's actually harder because you're not with your family for at least for the first few weeks then they come in. You're still not with your friends. LeBron's not used to eating like the same meals as like role players like Rondo or Kuzma. <laughs> you know, he normally has his, like personal chef there, right, taking care of his body um, to like the yep. extent that he does, as Jared Dudley um, talked about on Bill Simmons' recent podcast. Um, so like for LeBron to actually do like under the circumstances the Lakers were in, like people say it was easy, but why couldn't the Clippers make even the Western Conference Finals? Why couldn't the Celtics beat the Heat? You know, why right. why was, why are Lakers the only team that was able to actually advance? So. I would say it's arguably maybe tougher than when they beat the Thunder. I know the Thunder were favored, but I mean, like he won in the West. People said, oh, the East was easy for all those years. He actually came to the West and won. So I would say it's probably up there, like same with 2012, but still impressive nonetheless, you know?
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, the pandemic, I think, is huge. And uh, now you're hearing so much about just kind of the Clippers and uh, you know how they handle everything and it feels like them being in the bubble they kind of like crippled and crumbled being in the bubble mentally it was more of like a mental thing with them um than anything and then you look at other teams as well so i think it says a lot that you know the lakers came into the bubble they didn't have issues with players getting in trouble or having to leave and come back and stuff like that and lebron at the end of the day is the leader of that team and. Um, I feel like he's responsible for a lot of that just in terms of making sure they stay together. You know, they're mentally, they're mentally there. They're physically there. um, And, and, you know, they're coming in for one mission and for him to be there for what, almost three months um, and keep the team together and not having any of those issues off the court um, definitely says a lot, especially with him at this point, you know, he has kids at home. Um, You know, he has a life, he has other things going on at this point to where he had to literally, you know, go across the country for, for three months to, to do this. And he was able to kind of successfully do it. So I definitely think you have to factor that in. So on the scale of like toughness, this is definitely up there. Um, but, you know, when you look at like totality in terms of competition and um, meaning and stuff like that, um, I would probably say it's still fourth, but um, I think that's just a testament of how impressive, you know, some of his finals um, championships have been. Definitely.
0: And LeBron's very underrated as a leader. Um, prior to this year, a lot of people were saying like Kawhi's better. That was like a lot of talk <laughs> in the sports talk shows, you know, but look at Kawhi when he finally has to lead a team, what happened? They just like self-destructed, you know, he didn't have Nick nurse. He didn't have Greg Popovich to hold his hand. He actually had to step up, be the vocal leader, excuse me. And he just wasn't able to do it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Clippers do next year with a new coach, Ty Liu. Um But, I mean, LeBron James had – he didn't have the easiest cast, like, of role players to have to, like, take care of. JaVale McGee, Deion Waiters, Rajon Rondo, you know, and none of those guys got in trouble. And that says a lot about LeBron's leadership, that they could be in a bubble for literally 95 days. Not one guy snuck off to, like, get some wings in Atlanta. Not one guy, (laughs) you know, not one guy, like, was, I don't know, doing things like Daniel House was doing, you know. They were all, like, focused on the same mission. That's due to LeBron's leadership. So, I think he deserves a lot of – a lot more credit than he's been getting because there's a there's a difference between being a star and being a leader and LeBron's both. So that says a lot yep. about his success. So what would you say are um, LeBron's top three moments of his career today in the playoffs? Because there's a lot to choose from. A lot of people like to focus on the fact that he hasn't actually hit a buzzer beater in the finals, but I mean, the earlier rounds matter too. And he's actually hit more buzzer beaters in the playoffs than Michael Jordan did in his career.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I thought, I thought a lot about this and um, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel pretty good with my top three moments, which um, I think some people may be surprised, especially with maybe the last one, but you have to kind of put context and meaning behind a lot of it and the situation and stuff like that. So the first one I would definitely say is going to be in 2012 Eastern conference finals game six. Um, And I know this you kind of think people think moment and they think of like a shot or one play um, but it was the entire game for him you know dropping 45, um, 15 um, and five against the Boston Boston Celtics. they were down 3-2 in Boston. They went to Boston. Boston knows it's a closeout game for them and I think you have to put you have to kind of put the context behind it. So the big three were formed last year. they failed, they lost the finals. Fast forward now next year to 2012. Um, they're down 3-2 against Boston. They still have not won any championships. And this is pretty much a moment of if they lose this game, um, I remember Stephen A was already talking about their, you know, Chris Bosch is definitely being traded. The big three is um, being broken up. And it's going it's, to really go down as a failure and embarrassment. I know everyone – uh, you know, like I said, talk about the not one, not two, not three. Well, in this case, had they lost that game, it would have been zero uh, championships, period, for the Heat, probably, at least for that big three, the way they were formed. So for LeBron to go in there um, and and drop 45 points and really just from start to finish dominated the game, um, never gave really – no one ever felt like the Celtics were in it. Um, it's such a, a unique game because it feels like he was like Playing like possessed, and we we've really never seen that before. I know we everyone kind of sees um, on social media and the internet and stuff the picture of him like bent over, um, growling and stuff with like a kind of like mean mugging and everything like that um, uh, to the camera. And he had that mentality the entire game, and he ends up you know they end up easily being the Celtics. Uh, they go back um, and win Game Seven, and then they go on to win um, their first Finals. And I feel like that was a pivotal point in his career because the Celtics had, um, you know, back when LeBron was in Cleveland, they had kind of tormented him, especially once they had formed the big three. And a lot of people feel like um, they're the reason why he left uh, to go to Miami. Um, And they beat them the previous year and they felt like they got over a huge hump. But again, they didn't win the championship. Um, So for him to do that, um, I think that was like a really career defining moment. Um, where I feel like he really finally believed, like, okay, I can do this. I can take over. I can be the best player in the championship team. So, um, I feel like that's my number one moment, um, given the context behind all of it, and um, ultimately, what was at stake, and kind of what it set him up for, you know, moving forward as uh, the best player in the NBA. Definitely.
0: And I would... Have maybe 2016, the block against the Warriors. I hurts going to say that. I would have that as number one. Where where would you rank that then? If it's behind, okay. would that be number two?
1: Yeah, that's number two. Yep, that's okay. number two for me. So, um, that's number two. Um, because for me, again, that was that was crazy. I think in terms of like most iconic moment, that would obviously be like the biggest one. I feel like when you're, you know, showing the like LeBron highlight reel of like his career, um, that would definitely be, um, his signature moment for now. You know, maybe he'll he'll usurp that over the next couple of years. But right now, that is like his signature moment. Um, you know, they're the game's going back and forth. Both teams are cold. Um, they get that fast break. Um, you know, Iggy's about to go up for a, a layup to put them up two, um, which is probably going to completely change the trajectory of that game. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, you know, the Cavs are going to go back. They're down two. They're already on the road in a game seven. They're going to start pressing. Everyone's going to get nervous. Who knows what's going to happen? And I feel like, you know, LeBron coming down, chasing down that block, um, you could tell he was, like, out of breath and put everything that he had into it. Um, And getting that block was just significant. Like, I can't – I don't think people can kind of express um, how crazy it was, which is why it's so crazy that a block um, kind of overshadows um, Kyrie's, you know, three-point shot. Um, with under a minute left um, to put them up three. Um, but it, it just shows you kind of how pivotal pivotal uh, that defensive play was for, for LeBron to do that and, and keep the game tied um, in, the, in that crucial moment. So that's definitely number two for me.
0: So I, th- I definitely think LeBron's ability to control the media, dictate what they talk about and show, has a, is a big reason why they show that block over the shot. Because if you think about that's it historically, fair. you're going to see more offensive plays like big shots, Michael Jordan shots even John Paxson in, I believe, 93, um, hitting a game winner, you know? So, like, you see a lot of, like, shots being, like, the main highlight. But with LeBron, it's this block, and you barely even see Kyrie's shot on ESPN anymore, which is insane, probably because they're not close, you know? And LeBron wants to – wants me to focus more on him, and it works. I mean, like, now we see every highlight reel has that play. So, what would you say is number – what would you say is number three best moment of his Um, career?
1: So number three, this was really tough because there was a lot to choose from. Um, you know, there, there, there was a lot that kind of came to my to my mind, but I go back to 2012, uh, the finals game seven. Um, so, you know, they just came off, um, I'm sorry, this is uh, 2013. Um, they just came off, you know, that crazy game six um, where Ray Allen hit the shot and then they end up winning the game um, in overtime. And the um, Spurs, Tim Duncan misses kind of like a, like a bunny like shot or layup where Shane Battier is trying to block. They get the ball back. Um, The Heat are up two um, and they call a timeout. So they're up two. Um, There's um, not that much time remaining in the game. I think there was like under 24 seconds remaining. Um, LeBron gets the ball um, and um, you know, they inbound the ball to him. He dribbles. Um, kind of to the elbow, um, and shoots a mid-range jumper um, and makes it for them to go up four um, with, like, less than – I think it was, like, less than 20 or 15 seconds remaining to put yep. them up four, and that essentially sealed a championship for them. So that wasn't a, you know, go-ahead shot. It wasn't a buzzer beater, but, you know, he misses that shot. Um, the Spurs are only down two with a chance to tie or take the lead in this possession – he makes that shot they go up four, and pretty much um, kills um, most of the, the the chance that the Spurs have to, uh, to potentially win that game. So that was crucial um, for him. Um, When you think about like clutch moments and clutch shots and stuff, I know a lot of people think about the shot um, against Orlando um, when he was with Cleveland the first time around, Um, you know, they think about uh, the bull shot when he hit that um, buzzer beater jumper Um, There's a lot you can go through, but I think that sealed his second ring in back to back championship. So for me, um, that was number three. So I'm sure you probably have a different one, uh, but that for me, that was number three because I just remember watching that and was like, wow, like this narrative of him not being clutch, you know, needs to to die for sure.
0: Definitely. I agree 100%. That's definitely the biggest shot in his finals career. He does have a lot of huge moments though, like. Earlier around. So think about Easter conference finals, 20, 2007, when he scored 25 straight points against the Pistons, how old is he at that point? Like yeah. 22, 23, that, yeah. that was insane. Like sports fans are never going to forget that. Also, like you mentioned the magic shot, that was insane too. And I think a lot of the reason that um, LeBron is underrated is he puts up so many points, grabs so many rebounds and so many assists in a quiet manner. It's never like very flashy, you know, he just like drives the whole, hits the layups, he hits those mid range jumpers. Um, I remember being at game five in the 2016 finals and all I remember honestly was Kyrie just going off so he had 41 points but then when I look at the box score after the game LeBron also had 41 I really did not know LeBron had 41 until I checked the score the box score after the game because when LeBron does it it's so like efficient you don't really like it doesn't feel like he's killing you but he's like just stabbing you a thousand different times and like bit by bit that wears down the defense out in the game you have you're down it's over you know that's that's what makes LeBron so great his ability to just like he might have like five points in the first quarter but second third fourth he just takes over grabs rebounds dishes out the assists um another moment I wish we could have seen was if Marquise Morris was it Marquise Morris if he passed him the ball uh during game five and if LeBron hit that that, if LeBron hit that game winner with no time left that'd be insane
1: yeah and honestly if you saw like I, if you think about a lot of games too with LeBron, like I feel like shooting has always been his, like uh, probably his kryptonite. He's had to work on it a ton. Yeah, um, you know he's a great scorer, but in terms of shooting, he's always struggled with that. And he was going off that game even from three; um, he was making nearly every jumper. So I feel like he probably would have made that one, um, and that would have been insane. That would have been, you know, uh, definitely definitely better um, than you know ultimately winning in six and stuff like that, but. Yeah, Morris just kind of went um, – he had a brain freeze there and threw the ball out of bounds. And, you know, LeBron didn't have the opportunity, which is so poetic. You know, a lot of times it feels like, um, you know, LeBron's teammates tend to um, – I don't want to say let him down, but um, just kind of come up short. Um, when he when he trusts in them and rely on them in late in games to make some of those shots – um, a lot of times they don't. So it was kind of poetic in that, in that sense. But no, that would have definitely probably been number one How do he get that shot to, to uh, you know, clinch that championship.
0: Definitely. It's funny you say that his teammates have brain freezes because I was thinking about game, was it game one in 2017 or 2018 when he had 51 points and Jarrett Smith just yeah. like screwed it up at the end. So when LeBron James, like you said, like game six of this year's finals, when he's like making outside shots in the beginning, it's a wrap. Like, there's no way your team's going to win. So when he was going off that game one for he dropped, what, 51 points? He was hitting outside shot after outside shot in the beginning. I was like, oh, it's going to be a long night for my Warriors. And this guy, of course, drops 51. I believe it was a close to triple-double or a triple-double. But, I mean, he should have won that game. Honestly, I think the Warriors probably would have still won the series. But you never know if you take game one, you know? So his teammates have let him down by the same time, winning four times with guys like J.R. Smith, Markeith Morris, Deion Waiters, Rajon Rondo. Tristan Thompson, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it says a lot about him. Yeah. So do um, you think the Lakers are going to try to acquire any stars this off season? Maybe, maybe like a Bradley Beal, maybe somebody else, or do you think they're going to
1: um, do something different? I think, yeah, I think, I think because LeBron is, you know, like best friends essentially with Chris Paul.
0: Yeah,
1: um, That's kind of the first thing I think of is like, okay, they're going to go after Chris Paul. It makes sense. Um, you know, he can take the basketball out of LeBron's hands a lot of times. If you looked um this, this past playoffs and especially in the finals when Rondo and LeBron were on the court together, um, just having uh, Rondo as a primary ball handler was huge. Um, so Chris Ball coming in and being able to take the ball out of LeBron's hands a lot of times um, would be super helpful. But, you know, Chris Ball probably has one of the most unattractive contracts in the NBA right now. He does, yeah. Um, so it'll be really tough, uh, too, for the Lakers to, to make that work. But I would love to see that just because I think it's the perfect fit um, for what that team needs in terms of like a four general, you know, veteran who has a high basketball IQ. Um, I feel like that makes the most sense for them. Um, and then if you look at the other stars, unfortunately this isn't like the most exciting free agency year. Uh, next season, and the next season will be, but, you know, Bradley Bill, if we can get Bradley Bill, um, that would be nice for the Lakers. But um, I would rather them not kind of do a major trade like that and just, um, build through, you know, better role players, um, and kind of improve, you know, with with shooting and those kind of different role players, and make some minor tweaks. Uh, but if you look around the NBA, um, every team pretty much has like a duo, a great duo, um, and then they they'll probably have like that third player that um, emerges on their team. And the Lakers just need to find that uh, consistent third player. So, not by committee, they need to find a consistent good third player that you know can play defense well can shoot the three ball well maybe get you like 16 to 20 points on any given night um and just really help complement lebron and ad as someone that they can rely on um, game after game but um i don't think they need to really try to focus on getting a third superstar um because now if you look around in the league i feel like the duos the two duo superstars is kind of the way to go um, you know, Steph and Clay, um, Kyrie and KD. Um, you got Russ and Harden, which I know a lot of people will argue if Russ is still a superstar player. But um, if you look at the competition of people that you're going to have to probably beat, um, they're probably it's probably going to be two superstar players, uh, a third really good fringe star player, and then really good supporting cast role players. And I think that's what the Lakers need to focus on. Um, and I think as long as they do that, um, they'll be able to contend uh, for a championship if you kind of look at um, how the teams are structured out west and then potentially what may be coming out of the east if they get to the finals
0: definitely and there's a lot of players that could acquire like with smaller salaries whether it be like a Danilo Gallinari a Derek Rose yeah. somebody to complement the team because defensively right now they're great with Anthony Davis just manning the manning the basket like Danilo Gallinari is not great on defense but offensively I've, i was thinking this the other day i've never seen him as two shots in a row like this guy is automatic even derrick rose he had yeah. a pretty good last season you know so if you guys can get like somebody like that kcp kcp is probably gonna walk because he's trying to get paid and he deserves it after his playoff performance but if you can get a danilo if you can get a derrick rose like i could see a repeat even like if cp3 doesn't come if he does who knows how he'll be he was good last season but he is reaching the tail end of his career Somebody like yeah. that could, like you said, take the weight off of LeBron's hands. He's going to be 36, right next season, so he's not getting any younger. But his body looks great, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> and honestly, Jared Dudley might come back. He's not going to play, but as a leader, he's great, you know. And you talked about how you kind of played like the veteran leadership role in the Lakers this season. And yeah. Lakers just the chemistry, the team chemistry, is the most important thing. So I'm sure Rob Palinka, one of the most underrated executives in the league, will. Figure out what to do because he was great this season. Didn't get the respect he deserved, but that man did his job.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, once you win a championship, um, a lot of players are going to start looking at that and be like, wow, I definitely. I think Danilo said like, you know, he values winning a ring now over money and stuff. And so once you win that chip and you 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 keep in, you keep those square pieces in place and say, hey, we're going to be able to contend to repeat. Um, you're definitely going to get folks willing to take a pay cut. Um, to go there and play with you, so they're, I think they're in a they're in a great position cap wise. Um, you know they don't have any ridiculous contracts for the most part. They do have a tradable asset in Kuz, um, because he's a young player. So I think they're in a really good position to if they can go and you know get that superstar player, then cool. If not, um, then you know go the role player route and just improve your team and you know key areas of like defense and shooting and. Um, I think they'll be they'll be fine next year with LeBron and AD leading them.
0: Definitely, one hundred percent. I would put a lot of money on the Lakers being back in the West Finals at least next year. I think a Warriors-Lakers Western Conference Finals would be a ton of fun if everybody's healthy. And growing up Wars Warriors fan in the Bay Area, we always got a lot of crap from Lakers fans because Kobe and Shaq are just dominating <laughs> my whole childhood. Every memory I have about the Warriors and Lakers is Kobe just kicking our asses. So to see both teams being good next year would be a ton of fun because I think people like who are fans of both teams deserve that. So, what, so LeBron James does a lot of great things on the court, as we've discussed, but he also has done a lot of great stuff off the court, whether it be the I Promise School, whether it be more than the vote, whether it be just like attacking Donald Trump on Twitter when he says something offensive to <laughs> Steph Curry and he says, you bum, to the President of the United States, like who would have seen that coming, right? Yeah. But I mean, like LeBron James has done a lot of, lot of good off the court, and that's super important because, I mean, even... Compared to like Michael Jordan, Michael's done a lot recently, but I think a lot of that has been because of LeBron taking the initiative, being confident enough to step up. Um, I believe, was it MJ who said Republicans buy sneakers too? So he never wanted to actually attack Republicans. But LeBron is never hesitant about that. He stands up for what he believes in. That's admirable, especially in this day and age when he gets so much vitriol from the right. He's still confident. He stands up for what he believes in. So, what would you say is his most impressive? are his most impressive feats off the court?
1: Yeah, um, I think there's definitely a lot to choose from. I think this is another thing that, this is really how I like really, you know, people say stand, I guess you can say this is how I stand LeBron, just because like given his expectations coming out of high school and stuff, and you know, Sports Illustrated kind of um, crowned him as like the chosen one and the king and stuff like that. um, He had to live up to a ton of expectations. And so I think just like him really never getting in trouble and, you know, just being like a good model citizen, for one, um, coming right out of like Akron and going into the NBA with all that fame is super impressive. And I feel like as he matured year after year, um, he felt more comfortable talking about social justice issues and, and speaking up and standing up um, where, where he felt necessary, um, knowing where, his, um, where he came from and what his upbringing was. So overall, I think that's super impressive. Um, for a superstar athlete, especially an African-American athlete, um, when you have all eyes on you, um, you know, to be, to, uh, you know, to really be that model of a citizen. Um, I, I, for me, I kind of just always go back to, you know, the I Promise School, um, especially being in Akron. And for me, um, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, just like social justice issues, and we talk about the economy and, you know, poverty and stuff like that, and people always ask me, like, How do we solve this? I am a huge um, proponent and believe that it starts with education. Hundred percent, agree. It starts. Yeah, it starts starts with our public education system and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people. For me personally, um, I was fortunate enough, um, even though I was raised with by a single mother, I was fortunate enough to be in good public school districts and grow up in safe areas and stuff. And so, yeah, it was easy for me, you know, to get educated, go to college, and. You know, fortunately I have a good career now um, but that started with education and um, that started with going to good schools and you know I tell people imagine you know going to schools where it's underfunded and um, you know there's pages missing out of books and you don't have school supplies and you don't have Wi-Fi access and you know you're trying to dodge like gangs and stuff like that just to get to school and you know some schools don't have like heating and AC and stuff so for him to focus on that, I promise school and, even you know, even guarantee scholarships and stuff um, to students that uh, are part of the school and will you know eventually go in and graduate high school and go off to college and stuff. I feel like that's the most important thing because I feel like that's really how we're going to see a change um, in our communities, um, and so I, I think that's incredible. I mean, no athlete has done something like that before um, to where you know he put up. Um, he helped put up a lot of the funding of his personal money and, um, you know, seeing to it that things go smoothly and that this turns out really well um, because he knows how important education is. Um, I definitely think that is um, his biggest um, off the field um, accomplishment until, until Space Jam 2 comes out.
0: <laughs> Can't wait <laughs> for that. <laughs> he's going to team up with Bugs Bunny and he's going to get carried by Bugs and take all the credit. <laughs> Um, But really like with the I promise school, like people don't understand, like he's providing free breakfast and lunch to every single student. He's providing bicycles. He's guaranteeing tuition paid to Akron University or University of Akron, if people graduate and meet certain criteria, that's incredible. And that just shows how much like compassion and empathy he has and how much he cares about his community. And people don't get enough credit for that, but that says a lot. And personally, if Joe Biden does win in the next two weeks, LeBron's more than the vote initiative will have played a big factor. And I know there's a lot of like talk about whether the candidates are any different. We don't want to get too political here, but I mean, LeBron's been a big advocate of people voting. Even back in 2016, he spoke at a Hillary Clinton rally. So LeBron genuinely cares and he knows like Donald Trump doesn't have the African American community in his best interest. So he knows like for people to vote, for people to actually like make a difference, they need to go to the polls. And we'll see if that actually happens with more than the vote, even with um, Offset and Odell Beckham he's trying to get people just to show up because voter turnout is super important 2016 it was quite low so we'll see and I know um, on a recent Bloomberg podcast LeBron mentioned Muhammad Ali is somebody he like aspired to be because he actually made a big difference in his community he said what he believed in so I mean the media wants to talk about Michael Jordan but perhaps there's other athletes LeBron aspires to to be like when his legacy is all set in stone and We'll see. Next two weeks are going to be big and interesting. But LeBron has done yep. his part, I would say, off the court for sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, that's that. That's definitely a clear contrast between him and, you know, Michael Jordan. Exactly. And now Michael Jordan has come along, to your point, because a lot of it, you know, he's seen LeBron leading a lot of this and being more outspoken. And so, and you know, so now Jordan has come along. But if you go back and look at Jordan's track record of, like, off the court, um, it definitely is... Uh, much different than LeBron's um, record off the court. So I think that's that's definitely very impressive by LeBron.
0: So, Kevin, our last section is called Win Sprints. We're going to ask you 10 questions in around a minute and just answer them as best as you can. So you ready?
1: All right. Yep, let's go.
0: What's one word you'd use to describe LeBron? Uh, leader. Love it. How many rings will LeBron retire with?
1: um five
0: one more is that going to be next year
1: I think so I think he's going to win one more and then you know eventually that cliff has to hit (laughs) so um, I'll say five as the best player on his team Um, maybe if he you know how things go maybe you know with AD or whatever he may be like the second best player or something or a third best player in championship team but I think he's gonna I think he has five rings five final MVPs in him
0: I see that happening too what are? Who, excuse me. Who are the top three Lakers players ever?
1: Ooh, top three Lakers players ever. Um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Kareem, Magic, and then I'm probably gonna go with Kobe, um, as my as my top three Lakers players. Um, you know, Shaq definitely probably like the most dominant um, player, um, Laker player ever, and then obviously LeBron is great but I think when you talk about top three players ever for a franchise you have to take into account like longevity and what they accomplish with the franchise so taking that into account I'll probably have to pick those three as my uh top three players
0: definitely I was trying to test you to see if you say LeBron yet <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite Drake album
1: Ooh, this is a good one um man I am going to so it's for me, it always goes back and forth between Nothing Was the Same and Views. Um, views, I don't know why, like, a lot of people trash Views, and now they're talking about how great it is now, like, a couple years later. Uh, but Nothing Was the Same is just incredible. It has, like, no skips for me. Um, it's It has the best intro of all time for any hip-hop album, um, and I'll be willing to debate that um, no matter what. So I'll probably have to give the edge to uh, to Nothing Was the Same.
0: All right, I would've gone with take care, but nothing's the same as good too.
1: <laughs> everyone everyone goes with take care. It's like their their default one. I like, I like take care, but um, yeah, I gotta go with nothing was the same.
0: All right, so what's your favorite city that you traveled to?
1: Oh, without a doubt, it's Barcelona.
0: Wow, okay. Um, so I
1: went there, yeah, I went there in 2018 um, and it was incredible. The weather was perfect, the people are nice, the food is great um it's like a really clean city nice city um I didn't get to spend a ton of time there because we were like hopping around and stuff when I went um but it's definitely on my list I was actually going to go back this year before COVID happened and all that so um yeah by far my my favorite city that I've been to
0: definitely on the list and that was a little test to see if you say San Francisco but to no avail.
1: (laughs) no so 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 to give you credit to that though like Everyone who says, what's your favorite American city? Okay. I always tell them, I always tell them that San Francisco was.
0: There we go, baby. <laughs> what's, the big, what's the best wing spot in Atlanta?
1: Ooh, the best wing spot in Atlanta. Um, For me, like, just, like, ease to get, I'd probably have to go with American Belly. You know, 10-piece hot lemon pepper, extra wet and extra crispy. Um, <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> on there for my list. That, but, that was not a paid ad uh, for everybody
0: who's listening. Not a paid advertisement. <laughs>
1: um i haven't i haven't got, i haven't got a chance to go to magic city to get the magic city wings but they're actually on like uber eats and stuff so you don't even have to go inside the show club you can actually get magic city wings like delivered to you so i still have to do that because everyone tells me um they're the best in the city but um american deli definitely has my heart
0: <laughs> and shout out to um magic city wings and lou williams putting them on the map even more of so the they were <laughs> So, um, Kevin, who's on your NBA Mount Rushmore? Obviously, Michael Jordan, LeBron. Who else?
1: Um, so, my personal Mount Rushmore, which I'll preference is my personal. Um, I would have to go with MJ, um, LeBron, and this is in no particular order. Uh, MJ, LeBron. Um, I'm going to have to go with Kobe, um, just because like he was definitely like one B in terms of like favorite players growing up, and what he accomplished um and then my fourth one will probably have to be um Shaq
0: love it just so, wasn't expecting Shaq but I like that
1: yeah so mine my, all of my players are kind of like you know current generation players of course um yeah because I didn't I'm, I'm going by players that like I got to I got to see play a lot and who kind of really like you know made me fall in love with the game so those would probably be my top four
0: Definitely. It's funny. Today I was driving around and I was thinking, like, everybody says Will scored 100 points, but there's no video proof.
1: How
0: do we, how do we know? How do we even
1: know that actually happened? Like, people could have just made that up, ran with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm not a big fan of, like, and I think you made a good point, too, of, like, ranking them by, like, generation and yeah. stuff like that. Because, like, if you go back and look at just some of the teams and how the NBA was structured, like, people talk about Bill Russell has 11 rings or whatever. But there were, like, you know, how many teams are in the NBA at that time? um so you have to sure. take a lot of that into account yeah. right yeah you have to take a lot of that in account when you kind of like start to rank players and uh the error that they did it in matters a lot so
0: definitely cream has incredible stats too so if people had him in the Mount rushmore i would definitely could agree with that so kevin six or 23
1: Ooh, i am going to have to go with six I don't think it was six. Love it. Um, he was like, people, I don't think people realize like how incredible he was in Miami. Like, like just like he was peaking in terms of like athleticism and, um, you know, it's funny because um, in a postgame interview when he won the championship with the Lakers, um, he said that um, like that LeBron, um, like 2009, 2010 LeBron would get dominated by you know, like year 17 LeBron. Just from like the mental aspect of the of the game and how much he's learned and how much he's grown, but um, man, those those he was special at six, and um, you know he scored like sixty points against the Bobcats and just ridiculous like athleticism and stuff. So I'll probably go with six.
0: Love it, and I agree. It's funny you I mentioned like the mental aspect of the game. LeBron and Rondo being on the same team this year. Crazy intelligence both those guys display every single night. And Rondo's very underrated in terms of like a, like from a mental standpoint, but he breaks down in every single thing. Jared Dudley was talking about how they were looking at Phil and he was talking about like, oh, he's gonna go right 65% of the time. If he dribbles three times, he's gonna do a step back jumper. Like fans never think about that kind of stuff, but man, Rondo underrated. And I would say, well, I don't know what you think, but first ballot hall of famer.
1: Oh, no doubt. No, I, I saw you talking about that and I agree. Uh, A lot of people have to kind of take into account the mental aspect. And if you look at like the games where the Lakers like really just like closed series out or they won easily, Rondo had great games. And if you look at that game six of the NBA finals, when Rondo checked in and he, it it was like he was just like mentally five, six steps ahead of them and had figured them out. And once he did that, they were pretty much done for. So that's a huge part of the game that a lot of times doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Um, which is why you just kind of have to, you know, watch the games, which I know a lot of days – nowadays people don't like to do um, before they form opinions, but you got to watch the games, and LeBron was a perfect example
0: of that. 100%. All right, last two questions. Who was LeBron – or who is LeBron's best teammate to date? AD, Dwayne Wade, or Kyrie Irving?
1: Um, I'm going to have to go with AD for sure. Um, I feel like they fit perfectly together, um, you know, because of – what what their strengths are, and then what their weaknesses is. What, what the weaknesses that they both have, um, they kind of offset because of the strengths that they both have. Um, AD is in his prime. Kyrie was in his prime when he had him, um, but Kyrie um, just didn't have. I mean, just you know, for size, whatever reason, he just didn't have the capability and the um, he didn't have he doesn't have the peak that AD has. Um, so it's definitely AD. It would be Dwayne Wade. Like if you, if you go like prime and not when he played with them, but if you just go in their Mm -hmm. prime, uh, D Wade would be number one for sure. I mean, at one point D Wade was probably the best player, um, in the NBA. Um, and that's when Kobe was, um, you know, at his peak, that's when you have LeBron and stuff like that. And D Wade at one point was probably the best player in the league. So no disrespect to D Wade, but, um, you, you got to look and see when LeBron had them, and uh, AD for sure is uh, I think takes takes the cake.
0: 100. AD hasn't even peaked yet, which is crazy. And Dwayne Wade also underrated. If you look at his final stats from 2006, insane. Like people yes. never talk about that, but that man went off.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, for sure. I was I was kind of worried when um when Jimmy Butler went off, um yeah. in game three. I was like, oh, man, this is, like, giving me shades of D-Wade. Just, like, going to the hole, um, yeah. playing great defense, you know, taking a ton of uh, foul shots and not, you know, just just um, going 100%. It, it really came as, like, shades of D-Wade. I was like, oh, I was like, he might win, like, pull off four straight if uh, Jimmy Butler plays like this. I was worried. But, um, no, he's, he's definitely D-Wade's underrated. Had he been, like, healthy through his entire prime, um, we would definitely be talking about him as, like, uh, one of the greatest players ever.
0: Definitely, one hundred percent. All right, last question. Besides Tyler Segel and Adrian Featherstone, who is your favorite person to follow on Twitter?
1: <laughs> oh man. Um, so I'm gonna have to go with Sean. I'm gonna have to go with you, Sean, uh, just because like you are like <laughs> you are like the smartest person. Like I know I know you. So like I know like intellectually like you are very smart um and so you use that on twitter to like push the right buttons <laughs> and, like, <laughs> for certain narratives and stuff so so um i gotta go with you because you're super entertaining you're 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 one person where like you're scrolling on the timeline and then like if i don't see any tweets by you i'm like damn i gotta go see what Shaw, you know tweeted um over the past few hours and then i go and see and you know you've created like 10 or 15 different like discussions off of your tweets and stuff so um, you're definitely super entertaining. We've been following each other forever, so um, I, I guess it's a little biased, but... Um, and I'm on your podcast, so of course I gotta go with you.
0: Definitely, okay, thank you, Kevin, and you're one of my favorite <laughs> followers, too. Make sure everybody follow Kevin at KJS407. Easy to remember. His tweets are great. He apparently owns a Tesla. Wealthiest guy in Atlanta. <laughs> Kevin just a hilarious guy on Twitter, and I mean, it's, it must be hard being an Atlanta sports fan, but when you guys win it all, I know you're going to be going crazy on Twitter.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate I appreciate you pretty much didn't bring up anything about Atlanta sports because we're definitely in the, <laughs> in the hole right now. So I definitely appreciate you doing that because I still, I still haven't gotten over the Braves, um, you know, blowing a 3-1 lead. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well,
0: if there's anything I'm trying to avoid is a 3-1 conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> that is why I didn't bring it up. All right, Kevin, it was so Fair great enough. having you on this podcast. One of my best friends. We've been, we literally met on Twitter, been following each other for what, 10 years now. So it was so great catching yep. up, talking hoops, you know, your stuff. You're one of the, I would say one of the biggest LeBron James fans I know. And just thank you so much for taking the time, bro.
1: Yep. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, um, you know, good luck with your podcast. The first episode was great. So I'm looking forward to following, you know, as you, as you grow over the next, uh, you know, months and years. Thank
0: you, brother. And that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another special guest. Take care.